maybe you guys didn't know this, but I'm from Georgia. I'm actually brand new to California. Did you know that? I've only been in California for like three and a half months. Before that, I spent one summer here. I was actually a summer intern, just like our interns are right now. I did that in 2018, and then I went away, but now I'm back, and I've only been here for three and a half months. And do you want to know something about California that is like way different than Georgia? The roads, because we were talking about this at train retreat, weren't we? The roads. Guys, your roads in California are so confusing. Maybe you don't understand it because you're, you probably are, you know, born and raised here. But like the roads in Georgia are so easy and simple. But the roads here, I'm, I, I get lost all the time, even with my GPS. Like it's, it's bad. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. Well, the roads here are crazy. And really, the roads in America, they got crazy once I hit Texas. So from Georgia, I had my U-Haul packed up from our house in Georgia. My dad and I, we drove cross-country from Savannah, Georgia, all the way here to Aliso Viejo. Now, we hit Texas on our second day of travel, and the roads just got nuts, just crazy. So we're on the highway, me and my dad, and he says, hey, the GPS says there's a little bit of traffic up ahead. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to direct you off course. Now, this was a problem for me because I love my dad. He's like my best friend, but my dad is not very good at giving directions, even when he has a GPS. Now, I'm like, oh no, the roads are crazy. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't really know what he's doing with directions, but okay, I was just trying to be like the respectful you know, son that was like, okay, dad, I'll do what you say. Just leave me, tell me where to go. So we pull off the highway because there's a bunch of traffic ahead. We're in this random city in Texas, and then all of a sudden, it's like five o'clock in Texas, and that's like when people get off work, traffic is crazy, and then like everybody's on the road, and I'm like, oh my goodness, dad, like there's more traffic here. Like we need to get out of here. And he's like, okay, I'll lead you out of here. Keep in mind, we're in this big U-Haul truck. We're not in like a normal car. It's just crazy. So he says, okay, you're going to go straight. You're going to take a right. And I'm going to take a right. Wait, wait, no, no, don't take a right. And then I go back. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going straight. He's like, okay, no, 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 that, I'm sorry. That was wrong. You're not going to take a right. You're going to take a left up here. I'm like, okay. So I start to turn my blinker on and get into the left lane. And he goes, wait, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, 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 no. And we, that just happened over and over and over again for like 10, 15 minutes. No, no, take a right. Take a left. No, oh, we missed the turn. You missed it. Well, we got to turn around. We got, and I was just like, dad, ah, just, just let me do this. Just, it just, my dad, I love him, but he's not very good at giving directions. And then another funny story. So my dad and I got here in, uh, you know, mid-February, a few days before Amber and Noah, they flew here. We didn't want to drive in a U-Haul across country with Noah was like eight months old at the time. We weren't going to do that. Um, but we got here and Amber and Noah flew into the airport and I went with my regular normal truck to go pick them up. But because the roads here are so confusing, I kept missing this one turn that I had to make. And I was just going in this loop around the airport like for so long. I couldn't figure it out. It was just, it was just terrible. So roads here are confusing. Directions are confusing. My dad is not very good at giving directions. Well, listen, in the Bible, the Bible actually talks about, and Jesus actually talks about directions and roads and pathways and gates. And unlike my dad, Jesus is actually very, very good at giving directions. And his directions are not confusing. They're not confusing at all. 
And he talks about these two roads. He talks about the narrow road. And he talks about the wide road. The narrow road leads to a narrow gate. And the wide road leads to a wide gate. I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. If you aren't there already. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. Now, you probably noticed that this ministry is called The Narrow, and that the title of the sermon today is called This is the Narrow. Eighth graders, you've already heard this once from someone else, not from me, okay? But we're going to talk about it again. It's important for you. It's important for our seventh graders to understand what is this all about? Why do we call it The Narrow? What's this narrow road? Why is this important? And that's what we're talking about this morning. So, Matthew chapter 7 Verses 13 and 14. Let's look down and read these verses together. Here's what it says. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, we have the narrow gate and the wide gate. The narrow gate is the one that leads to eternal life. Salvation is found at this narrow gate. Salvation by faith in Jesus alone. And then we have this wide gate. And Jesus says this gate leads to destruction. And what he means by destruction is it means this wide gate leads to hell. You have one path to heaven, one path to hell. And there are only two paths in life. There's not five, six, there's not a million, there's only two. And you are on one of these two paths. And that's the truth. We're going to talk about these two paths today. Well, here's point number one. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. You need to get on the narrow road. Get on the narrow road. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. Well, how do I do this? How do I get on the narrow road and how do I enter through that narrow gate? Well, that's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is how. And if you've heard the gospel, then you know exactly how you have to get on this narrow road. The only way to get on the narrow road and the only way to pass through this narrow gate is to believe in Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. He is the path. He is the only way to eternal life in heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. So you get on the narrow road by repenting of your sin and by trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Now, you've heard the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first people Who were the first people? Adam and Eve. He created Adam and Eve and he told them they had one rule. What was the one rule? Don't eat from that one specific tree. And he says, don't eat from that tree or you will surely die. Those were the consequences. And what do they do? They eat from the tree. Satan, the devil, comes along and he tempts them. And they decide to eat from the fruit, and they sinned. That's when they committed the very first sin. And because of that very first sin, sin then passes on into the entire created world. So everyone born from Adam and Eve, that's me and you, everyone born after them, was born into a sin nature because of that first sin that they committed. And sin is a problem. It's problematic for you. It's problematic for me because God hates sin sin. God cannot associate with sin. He can't even look upon sin because he is perfectly holy. He's perfect in every way. He is good in every way. And God says that if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be with him in heaven, then you have to be perfect too. 
But wait, we're not perfect. We're sinners. We just talked about that. Well, how can I go to heaven? How can I be perfect if that's what I have to do? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. You, me, everyone. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages are what you earn. So if you have a job, what you get paid is your wage. You understand? So when the Bible says your wage, the wages of sin is death, what you deserve, what you earn because of your sin is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and what we deserve is eternal punishment from God because of our sin. The truth is that you and I deserve to go to hell because of our sin. That's what the Bible says. And that's bad news. But there's good news. There's only one way, and that way is through Jesus Christ getting on this narrow road, entering through the narrow gate. The good news is that God sent the answer to the problem of sin. He gave us the answer. He sent his son, Jesus, to the earth, and Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned a single time. You and I, we sin all the time. Jesus never did once, never did anything wrong, ever in his entire life on earth, never, ever sinned. But he was hated by the Jews. People didn't like Jesus. They hated him. They hated him because he told them they were wrong. He said they were sinners. He said they were on the way to hell. He said that he was the Messiah and they needed to believe in him. He claimed to be God. He told them, I'm God and you need to believe in me and I'm the only way. And they didn't like that. They hated that about Jesus. And so what did they do? They hung an innocent man on the cross and they crucified him. They put those nails through his hands and through his feet. And while he was on that cross being crucified, Jesus took the punishment for sin that you and I deserve. I deserve that punishment, and you deserve that punishment. Jesus did not deserve it, but he took it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took on sin. He became sin. He took all of your sin on himself and he took the punishment that your sin deserves so that you could trust in him and that you could then have the righteousness of God. He died. He was buried in a tomb. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And when he arose, he defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated sin forever. His sacrifice is enough to save you. So if you want to be saved, if you want to get on this narrow road, if you want to enter through this narrow gate, then you have to repent of your sin to put your trust in Jesus. And that is the only way. This is the truth. This is the only way to get on the narrow road. And it is my prayer, it is our leaders' prayers that you are on or at some point in the next couple of years, you will get on this narrow road. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. But you need to understand something about the narrow road. You need to understand that there is a lie going around today about this narrow road. There's a lie today that this, that this road will make your life easier. People say, if you will trust in Jesus, your life will get so much easier. 
You won't have any problems. You won't have any troubles. It's going to be so much better for you. You're going to prosper in every way if you would just believe in Jesus. That is not the truth. That's not what the Bible says. That's not how Jesus described the narrow road. It is true, though, that your life is better with Jesus. Because with Jesus, you know that you are saved. You know that you have the hope of eternal life, that you, when you die, you will go on and you will be with him forever. Life is better with Jesus because you have a helper when you're down. When you're going through a hard time, Jesus gives you strength and peace and courage. There are so many things about being in a relationship with Jesus that make your life better, but your life will not get easier. Number two, you need to prepare for adversity on the narrow road. Verse 14 says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. The narrow road. Entering through the narrow gate, Jesus says, The way is hard, and those that find it are few. Now that word adversity, that that word means something hard. It means going through something difficult. And Jesus was very clear, not just here, but other places in the Bible, that you have to be prepared to go through hard times as a Christian. In Matthew 10, 38, he says, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So being a, being a Christian is, is taking up your cross. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Luke 9, 23 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So Jesus talks about denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. What does it mean to deny yourself? Denying yourself is not an easy thing to do. Denying yourself means getting rid of the idol of yourself. You guys know what an idol is. Somebody yell it out. What is an idol? Something that you worship before or over God. So when Jesus says you have to deny yourself, he's he's talking about the idol of yourself. It's very easy to live a selfish life. To go about life saying, I need to get this. I need to get everything good for me. I'm in it for me. I don't care about anyone else. I want what's best for me and that's it. Well, Jesus says, that's not the life of a Christian. You have to deny yourself. So denying yourself means that anytime you have a desire to sin, anytime you have a desire to do something that God doesn't want you to do, denying yourself is saying, I'm not going to do it. Lord, help me not to do that. I don't want to sin. I don't want to do the things that you say are sin. Help me to not do that. Denying yourself is a life of obedience to Jesus rather than doing the things that are sinful that you want to do. Denying yourself is living a life of service to each other rather than walking in a room and saying, I get the best seat in the house. It's all about me. Denying yourself is saying, how can I help other people before I help myself? How can I love others before I help myself? Denying yourself means that sometimes following Jesus is going to cause you to lose your friends. Sometimes following Jesus might cause you to lose your popularity. The world doesn't necessarily think that following Jesus is cool. 
Sometimes people might make fun of you for believing in Jesus. People might make fun of you for attending church and reading the Bible and singing worship songs. They'll call you crazy. They may even call you stupid for what you believe. But Jesus says that you need to expect it. You need to prepare for this adversity when you're on the narrow road. Again, the Bible is so clear about this. In John 15, Jesus says, The world will hate you because they hated me first. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, All who desire to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is going through a hard time because of your faith in Jesus. So we have the Bible saying, expect it. Persecution will happen if you're on that narrow road. But why? Why? Why will the world hate you? Well, why did the world hate Jesus? If you've read the Gospels, you know the world hated Jesus because what did he do? He told them that they were wrong. He told the Pharisees that they were living in sin. He, he called them a brood of vipers. He called them hypocrites. He called them whitewashed tombs. And they didn't like that. They didn't like the things that he was saying. And that's exactly what Christians are telling the world today. Now, we're not, I'm not saying you have to go around and tell people who don't believe in Jesus that you're a brood of vipers and you're a whitewashed tomb. That's not how you do it. But when you're sharing the gospel with someone, you're saying, hey, if you don't believe in this, you are on the wide road headed towards the wide gate, and that's wrong. That leads to destruction. That leads to hell. You need to repent. You need to believe in Jesus because that's the only way to get it right. That's the only way to get on the narrow road and enter through the narrow gate. You're telling them that they're wrong and they need to get right. Does anybody in here today enjoy being told that you're wrong? Nobody. I don't either. Nobody likes it. How many of you guys are 12 years old? If you're 12, raise your hand. I've got a brother who turns 12 in a few days. And my brother, Malin, is going through this phase, this thing in life where he hates being wrong. He hates being wrong, like more than normal. He just can't stand being wrong. And it's so funny because me and my other siblings will mess with him and we'll tell him he's wrong about things even when he's actually right. So this was, a, I don't know, a few months ago before we moved here to California. I was with my brother, Malin, and my dad, and we were messing with him. Malin said, hey, did you know that they're 3D printing houses now? They are, by the way. Like, look it up. It's a thing. Not with like a little printer, but like concrete, whatever. But the point is, they do that. I thought it'd be fun to mess with Malin. So I said, no, dude, you're crazy. And you would think that he would just be like, no, no, really, it's true. He got so upset. He got so upset, right? He's like, it is true. It is, I saw it. My friend told me it's on YouTube. You can look at it. He just gets so mad. And I just kind of was like, dude, you're lying. That's not true. No, that's not happening. And just went on and on and on and on because he just hates being wrong so much. Well, eventually I said, okay, bud, I'm sorry. I'm just messing with you. I know you're right. I've, I've seen it before too. Well, he hates being wrong. Most people hate being wrong. Everybody hates being wrong. So it makes sense why the Pharisees reacted the way they reacted. It makes sense why when you tell people that they need to get on the narrow road from the wide road, why they would get upset with you because you're telling them that they're wrong. Now maybe you've seen, maybe if your parents watch the news or something, maybe you've paid a little bit of attention of, of um, just culture today, society today, about how people today just hate Christians. Now here's some examples of why people will hate Christians. People hate Christians for saying that it's a sin to be homosexual. 
The Bible is very clear. It's a sin to be homosexual. It's a sin to be transgender. It's a sin to do those things. But the world says that Christians are hateful. They say that we're committing hate crimes for telling people that they're wrong. We're not telling them that we hate them. We're just saying, you're living a life of sin. You're on the wide road. You're headed towards the wide gate and you need to repent of your sin. Here's another thing. The world hates Christians because we stand against abortion. People in our country today who don't know Christ, they say it should be fine. You should be able to do whatever you want. But Christians, most Christians, most professing Christians at least, should stand up against it. But the world says you're being hateful because you won't let ladies do this. You're being hateful. And they hate us. And there's so many other examples that we could talk about. But just the truth is that Jesus said that we need to expect this adversity. We need to expect it because we're telling them that they're wrong. Listen, when Jesus told them to pick up their crosses, he says, deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. When Jesus told them to pick up their cross, that would have been extremely surprising. It's not very surprising for us to hear about this because we know that Jesus went to the cross. We understand what happened. We wear crosses around our neck. We see crosses everywhere. Crosses at that point, they were torture devices. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Think about that. When he tells these people, his disciples, when he says, pick up your cross and follow me, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. So they were thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. You want us to pick up a torture device and follow you? You want us to pick up a cross what, what do you mean? These people, these disciples, they knew that the only purpose of a cross was to hang people on them and to kill them. So they were thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Why do I need to pick up my cross, Jesus? What are you saying? Because everyone knew that when they saw someone walking down the road and carrying a cross, that that person would never walk back. You understand? When, when Jesus carried his cross, that was, that was a thing that happened back then. And everybody who saw someone carrying a cross, they knew they were carrying that cross to their death and they would never walk back down that road. So Jesus is saying, pick up your cross and follow me. I just understand, what, what does that mean? To pick up your cross and to follow Jesus is to say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what the cost is, I will never turn my back on him. No matter how much I get made fun of, no matter how many friends I lose, no matter how hard my life gets because I'm following Jesus, I will not turn around and walk back down this road. That's what picking up your cross means. Denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following Jesus. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. And there's going to be times when you're carrying your cross, when you are moving forward in life, and, and people are making fun of you, and things are hard, where you're going to look over at this other path, at this other road, and things are going to look way better on this other road. You're going to be tempted to think, man, it would just be so much easier be so much better if I just stopped this and I just went and I headed towards that other gate because their lives are so much better than mine. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Here's number three. Don't be fooled by the wide road. Don't be fooled by the wide road. 
Jesus says, For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The gate is wide, and the way is easy. The gate is wide because there are many paths that lead to that gate. It's such a huge road. It's so big that you can take so many different paths to get you there to that gate. And there's only one way, there's only one path. There's only one way to get to that narrow gate, and that's through Jesus. This wide road is full of lies. Satan is going to try and lie to you and give you all these lies about why you should leave the narrow road and get on the wide road headed towards that wide gate. And here's a few of the lies that Satan is going to tell you. We've already mentioned this one, but here it is. Satan's going to tell you it's not worth it to be a Christian. He's going to say, it's just not worth it. Look at how many friends you've lost. Look at how many people don't like you because of what you believe. Your life would be so much easier if you would just, it'd just be so much better if you just came over here and got on the wide road with me. Come, come on over. You don't want to deal with that anymore. It's going to be a temptation that you face, and you've probably faced it already at some point in your life. Well, Jesus does say that the wide road is easier. He's very honest about it. He's very clear about what to expect. But just because it's easier doesn't mean that it's better. It doesn't mean that it's the right way to go. Just because it's easier doesn't mean that what's on the other side of it is, is what you want. So he's going to tell you, hey, it's way easier to do it. Don't fall for it. Don't go. Satan's going to tell you it's not worth it, but it is worth it because of what's on the other side of the narrow gate. Here's the second lie that Satan's going to tell you. He's going to say, hey, come on and get on the wide road. Get on the wide road. Everyone else is on it, so clearly it's the right way to go. He's going to say, look around. Everybody's doing it. It's got to be the right thing to do. Maybe, maybe you're going to look around at some point in your life and all of your friends are going to be making fun of you. You're not going to have hardly any friends. At that point in time, it's really easy to just think, oh, I guess they're right. Everyone else is doing it. I'm the only one. Don't fall for that lie. Just because everybody else is doing it does not make it the right thing to do. People have this tendency to think, oh, everybody's going there. I'll go there too. It's got to be the right way. When I was in high school, I went to the Georgia Fair with some friends. This, you know, whatever, like, what do you call the thing that you sit on and it goes around? Ferris wheel? Yeah, stuff like that, like a fair. Yeah, 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 I forgot. Anyways, I went to this fair with a Ferris wheel with some friends, and it was, it, was, it was done, it was just closed, and so it was time to leave. Well, when we were leaving, there was nobody, like, directing traffic or anything, so it was just a madhouse. Like, hundreds of people were trying to get to their cars and trying to leave this, like, grassy field to go, and we were like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, we don't know where to go. So my friend's driving, and we're looking around, and he goes, oh, all the cars are going that way, I'll follow them. And we were all like, okay, yeah, go that way, there, go. It's got to be the right way to go. So we go that way. We're going down this little road. And then, boom, dead stop traffic. Nobody's moving. And we're like, oh, man. So we're sitting there for a few minutes. And then, guess what happens? Somebody comes knocking on the driver's side window. It's a police officer. Police officer says, are you aware that you're on a one-way road? And we had, you can't be going this way. This is not allowed. Well, everybody else is going, uh-uh, this is a one way. You can't go down here. I'm sorry, I just thought everybody, no, you need to turn around. It was the wrong way to go. But because everybody else was going, everyone in the car was like, sure, go. Everybody else is doing it. 
but it wasn't the right thing. Just because you may think everyone else, just because it looks like everyone else is going down this wide road towards the wide gate, it doesn't make it right. Here's the third lie Satan's going to tell you. He's going to say, it doesn't matter what you believe because all paths lead to the same place. It doesn't matter. You believe whatever you want because when you die, you die and everything's all the same. That is not the truth. People say this all the time. There's not one true religion. There's not one true God. As long as you do, you know, just be nice and it's gonna be, everything's going to work out for you in the end. Well, we know that's not true because we know that Jesus says in the Bible that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So his words are one way. There's one way. There's not a million ways. There's one way to heaven, and it's through him. Here's another lie that Satan's going to tell you. He's going to say, just be good. Just be a good person. Just don't hurt anyone, and then you'll be fine, and that's all you have to do. Again, that's a lie. Because you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't be good enough because of your sin. That's what we taught us. That's, that's the truth of the gospel. Is the only way you can be made perfect is because of the sacrifice of Christ. Ephesians says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace through faith, that's it. It says, It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You cannot work for it. You can never be good enough for it. So that's a lie from Satan. Here's another lie that Satan likes to tell. He says, you can keep your sin and still be a Christian. He says, you, you can keep all that. But if you keep going to church and you keep telling people that you believe in Jesus, then you're fine. That's a lie, guys. That's a lie from Satan. Satan is going to try and convince you that you're still a Christian even though you are purposefully living in sin, intentionally doing things that you know are wrong, he's going to say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're fine. As long as you go to church every now and then, then you're fine. That's a lie. Satan wants you to think, yeah, I can keep watching these bad movies. I can keep using the internet to do bad things. I can keep lying. I can keep stealing. I can keep cheating. I can keep being rude to my parents and friends. I can do all that. But as long as I'm going to church every now and then, as long as oh, I'm still a Christian and I'm still good. No. That's not the truth. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 John, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Talking about Jesus. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, Christians do sin. I sin all the time. Christians sin all the time. The difference between a real Christian and someone that's not a Christian is that a real Christian is going to live a lifestyle of repentance. When the Bible says keeps on sinning, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, that's talking about someone who says, I don't even care that I'm doing this. I'm just going to keep on doing it because I like it. And you know what? God's going to forgive me anyways, but I'm just going to keep on doing it. If that's where you're at, if you're believing the lie that you can just keep on doing it and God doesn't care, then you're believing the lie that Satan is feeding you. So there's many, many other things we can talk about, but those are five ways that Satan lies to you to get you on that wide road. Don't believe those lies. There are only two roads 
There are only two paths. There are only two gates. There are only two groups of people. Either people that are on the wide road or on the narrow. There are two groups of people and that's it. You need to make sure that you are on the right path. So here's point four. Identify the road you are on. Identify the road you're on. You got to think about it. You got to figure it out. You got to think honestly. Think about everything that we've talked about this morning. Think about what you've read in the Bible this morning and ask yourself, which road am I on? Where am I headed? Which gate am I walking towards? It's not just enough to say, I go to church, so I'm good. I prayed a prayer once, so I'm good. Oh, everything's great. I'm fine. You have to be on the narrow road. You have to be living in obedience to Jesus like his word says. Like I said at the very beginning, guys, Jesus is very, very clear with his directions. He's not like my dad. He is very clear about his instructions. So you need to be reading the Bible. You need to understand whether or not you're on this narrow road. You don't find eternal life by following the crowd. Eternal life is found only one way, that's trusting in Jesus Christ. And listen, again, this is the point of the narrow. That's why we call this ministry the narrow, because we're going to be pointing you to this narrow road. Your leaders are going to be pointing you to this narrow gate. We're going to be praying for you that you're on the narrow road, you're heading towards the narrow gate, and then we're going to do our best to teach you how to live as a Christian on this narrow road. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we have very clear instructions from Jesus about what to do, about how to make sure that we know that we're going to heaven. i got to pray that every student in this room has trusted in you or will come to trust in you very soon. God, help all these students to be honest whenever they're thinking about whether or not they're on the narrow road. Don't let us go through the motions anymore, God. Let us be honest with ourselves and think about it and help us to get on this narrow road. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.